0: Hello
1: and welcome to Quilt Achieviot's Markets Uncut podcast. This is your weekly insight into the topics and trends that we've been exploring for you here at Quilt Achieviot. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're listening on or by following hashtag QC weekly comment on LinkedIn. I'm your host Ollie Creasy, Head of Property Research based out of our London office and I'm pleased as always to be joined by podcast veteran Richard Carter Head of Fixed Interest, and Sheena Berry, our healthcare equity analyst. Good morning to you both. Starting as always with Richard, um, last week seemed to be all about central banks. Uh, I don't think many forecasters expected a a rate cut just yet, but the consensus view is that the next move, when it does eventually come, uh, will be a reduction in rates by each of the banks in turn. Um, Taking all that in in hand, should I be at all surprised, or, or maybe even alarmed, to note that two of the Bank of England committee members voted to raise rates this month, which is actually more than the number that voted for a cut.
2: Uh, not really, Ollie. I mean, that was sort of expected. I think also, cast your mind, uh, back to the last meeting, you had, you had uh, three people voting for rate hikes and, and none for a cut. And this time it was two voting for rate hikes uh, and one for a cut. So you can see the sort of direction of travel uh, is towards easier policy and, and, and a rate cut at some point. But um, it's going to take a bit of time to get there. And look, you know, uh, labor markets are still tight. You know, there's still worries about ingrained inflation, and those those two MPC officials voting for rate hikes are obviously, you know, concerned that um, the job is not yet is not yet done. Although I I kind of think they they're okay voting for rate hikes in the knowledge that the, the majority is not going to side with them. So maybe uh, you know they can uh, vote that way and know that that actually won't be enacted. But anyway, I think you know the, the Bank of England will gradually get there in terms of rate cuts, but it's just frankly, the data here and in the U.S. Is, is just too strong at the moment to justify
1: it. I'm glad you mentioned strong data. Uh, that leads me neatly on to the second question I had, which um, refers to the U.S. jobs numbers that came out on Friday. Um, am I right in understanding that the, the actual number was about double the the sort of expected figure um, it resulted in an awful lot of uh, sort of superlative adjectives being used in the press to describe them, um, and we also of course had some comments from Jay Powell about um, well it was him saying we should only expect three rate cuts from the from the US Fed in 2024, um, so I suppose the question is what which superlative were you using uh, for those US job numbers um, and. What do you make of it, and plus plus Jay Powell's comments? I suppose are you changing your uh, your views at all on the back of this, or is it all uh, is it all just the same again?
2: Yeah, well, as someone who's um, sort of um, coming from the bond side, uh, strong data tends to be bad bad for us. So the, perhaps the superlatives that I <laughs> I was using weren't weren't to be repeated on this uh, on this podcast, but. Um, uh, it was you were right. It was about double expectations. I mean, there's a lot of choppy, you know, choppy data. You always get choppy data, and you can't just look at one month, as we, you know, said before. But um, it, it's a reminder that the uh, U.S. labor market um, is still fantastically strong. Wage growth was also better than expected. So, know, yeah, listen. Uh, as I said before, it, it's too early with data like this for, for for central banks to be cutting rates. I mean, interestingly, j Powell had his interview over the weekend. That was apparently recorded before the payroll number came out so you can you know you can make of that what you will but he was basically repeating what the Fed said at the last message last meeting that we're probably going to cut this year about three times. They haven't changed their, their their tune on that. It's the market that's been moving around in the meantime of you know discounting probably far too many cuts and now and now moving back to a more sensible start. So I think for us, you know, it is a similar thing. Yeah, you know, we will get to rate cuts at some point, but the data needs to justify it and it just doesn't at the moment for bonds. Um, with yields where they are long term, I still think they look attractive, but obviously, they've, they've got off
1: to you know, markets have got off to a little bit of a shaky start this year. Well, um, yeah, sorry, Richard. I always forget which uh, which way you, you look at the economic data versus uh, versus how, how I look at it. So, um, uh, the good news, I suppose, is that uh, your your calendar for the next week looks a little bit quieter. Um, I had a little yeah. Scan and there's some uh, some Chinese PMI data today, and uh, again Chinese inflation later this week. Um, is there anything else that you're keeping your eye on?
2: Well, it, it, the data is often quieter in the week after uh, non fund payrolls, although we will hear from a few Fed officials as well, uh, apart from the Chinese data. So, you know, watch out for that. But I suspect they'll be repeating the, the message that that Jay Powell um, has has said recently. I mean, I think you know, away from the data, for me. know obviously geopolitical risk is is elevated this year there's a lot of stuff going on in the middle east um you know the americans have been responding to to what happened in um, on the jordan syrian border uh uh, recently you know and i think it's, it's it's interesting all this stuff you know it's going on um all very worrying but at the same time for markets actually the oil price is not really respond going up on the back of it because um, you know there seems to be a slight lack of demand for oil and, and OPEC seems to be uh, pumping um, you know beyond their beyond their official target. So I think um, you know we always worry about geopolitical risk, but as I say, for now, despite everything going on in the Middle East, it doesn't really seem to be impacting um, the oil price, and that's good. That's good news actually in terms of um, you know inflation and bond yields.
1: Brilliant, thank you. Um, well, look, long-term listeners will know uh, that whenever I come on here, I can't resist a, an occasional political question. Um, and you may also be aware, of course, that it was uh, it was Groundhog Day this weekend as well. So um, I, I'm actually fascinated to learn that a small but significant amount of money is being bet by uh, by punters uh, on Michelle Obama being the next US president. Um, and I don't know if you knew this, but she's actually got shorter odds than, than Nikki Haley, who uh, I suppose has the, the well, the advantage of actually being um campaigning for the role at the moment. Um are either of those people sort of credible possible uh well future presidential candidates do you think? Um what do you think we'll be just having that so called groundhog day reprise of the 2020 election later this year in the US?
2: I I think base cases will get Biden Trump again. Um as everybody knows um but there, there is a huge amount of uncertainty. Um, around sort of Trump's legal issues, although obviously you know, Nikki Haley's best place to take over if. If he were to fall, but at the moment it it seems pretty unlikely that he will. And um, although she's hanging in there, you know, um, it's uh, you know it's, it's very unlikely that, that, that she's going to be the nominee. The Michelle Obama one is interesting, maybe maybe a little bit of wishful thinking, potentially from some people on that on that front. I mean, clearly um, Joe Biden plans to run again, but you know we we know that he is. Um, how should we say it? Not in the. Um, uh, sp- spring of his days. Uh, a- a- and, uh, you know, it-, it might be that um, the-, the Democratic Party wants to find a-, a-, a new candidate as we get closer to November. But I think, as I say, base case is is, is Biden Trump. Um, but, um, you know, a-, a nice shock like that might keep it quite interesting.
1: That's very politely put. Thanks, Richard. Uh, and-, and yeah, you, you should probably uh, prepare yourself for a variation on the theme of that question a few times uh, in the coming months. Um, But I will now turn to Sheena. Uh, Thank you for for waiting patiently for that. Um, It's been a very busy week of company reports for you uh, in in the pharmaceutical healthcare sector. Uh, Just wondering if you've taken the time to add up how many uh, full-year result announcements you've sat through the past week. Um, And then I suppose also what are the key themes that have come out of them so far?
0: Yes, thank you. Yeah, there there were certainly a few. I can't give you the exact number at the moment. But yeah, we had a, a number of healthcare companies report you know, whether that was, you know, a pharmaceutical company, medical technology or life science tools. Um, and we're not actually finished yet. So still a few more to come. Um, but what we've seen so far, um, I suppose, in terms of pharma, um, we had a solid finish to 2023 from GSK, Novo Nordisk and Merck. Um, but we did actually have a, a softer final quarter of the year from some of the European names, such as Novartis, Roche and Sanofi. Although a number of the important key drugs from each of these groups actually still continue to deliver um, pretty good growth. But within the pharma subsector, 2023 was really all about um, obesity. Uh, and as a result, Novo Nordisk and, and Eli Lilly were actually the big outperformers in the subsector last year. Um, but what have we heard from the medical technologies and technology companies that have reported thus far? We're we're hearing that patient activity levels are healthy and demand for capital equipment remains robust. An interesting theme in this space is robotic surgery. And companies operating in this space, such as Stryker, has stated that adoption of its orthopaedic robot continues. Um, And, you know, this will be something that we'll continue to hear about going forward. Um, But just to mention the life science tool space quickly as well, companies here provide analytical instruments and services for research. 2023 was a difficult year uh, for this subsector, and that was due to the macro environment and more cautious uh, customer spending. Uh, Companies in this space include uh, Danaher and Thermo Fisher Scientific, both of which reported last week. And it's clear that the headwinds that they experienced in 2023 will continue uh, in 2024, uh, particularly in the first half. So overall, I suppose, a bit of a mixture of themes uh, coming from healthcare, uh, really depending on, on what subsector you're looking at.
1: Thank you, Sheena. As always, we can't really have a chat about pharmaceuticals these days uh, without mentioning Novo Nordisk and so-called miracle drug, Wigovi, which uh, please correct me on the pronunciation if I've got that wrong. Um, you know, especially now that the company is firmly at the top of the list of largest European companies by market cap. I'm keen to hear your latest view on this. Novo actually missed target sales of Wigovi in Q4. Call this a blip, uh, or has the, maybe the potential market size been overestimated, do you think?
0: Yeah, so Novo Nordisk actually reported a pretty strong uh, Q4. Um, there is obviously a lot of focus on the obesity drug uh, Wigovi, and also another drug called Azempic, which is approved for type 2 diabetes. Both are very important growth drivers for the group. Um, But as you mentioned, WGOVI actually missed uh, consensus expectations in Q4. And this is really due to supply actually struggling to keep up with demand. Um, And as a result, the group has put some restrictions in place. So Novo Nordisk restricted supply of the lower dose strength of WGOVI last year to ensure continuity of care. And supply is now actually gradually increasing um, as the group focuses on bringing additional capacity on stream. So Magovi is now launched in eight countries, including the US, UK, and Germany, and it will obviously take time to ensure that there is enough capacity to supply the demand. But the potential market size for for obesity is significant, and Magovi, along with Eli Lilly's obesity drug Zipbound, are currently creating a duopoly in the market um, but Novo Nordisk is working. Uh, it's also working on a number of clinical trials, which will help demonstrate the value of treating obesity. Um, so, so far, we've had some data demonstrating that it helps reduce the risk of cardiovascular events, for example. And we will have an update in chronic kidney disease in due course. Um, there are also other assets in the pipeline being worked on for obesity, so the next generation of drugs really do have the potential to help uh, deliver better quality of weight loss. So with Govi missing expectations in Q4, it's not really a concern. People are very willing to pay for the drug. And as Novo ramps up capacity and increases supply, uh, we, we really should see continued uh, solid growth from the drug.
1: Brilliant. Um well, finally, uh, kind of as you alluded to, you're you're approaching the end, but you're not yet at the, the sprint finish of your uh, full-year results marathon. Are there many companies left to make those announcements? Um, and, and are there any that you're expecting any surprises from, good or bad, I suppose?
0: Yeah, so there are still a few healthcare companies to report. I'll maybe just mention some that, you know, uh, we think could be quite interesting. Um, so we have AstraZeneca this week. Um, we will be looking to hear, you know, how the key drugs are performing. So, AstraZeneca has some really interesting drugs in the oncology space um, that offer significant growth potential. So, uh, focus will be in hearing how they are going. Um, Eli Lilly uh, reports on Tuesday. You know, the group formed well last year, and they will obviously be focused on, on how its newer diabetes drug, Monjaro, um, is doing, but also its obesity drug, StepBound. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk uh, are currently the two companies uh, dominating the obesity space. Uh, We'll also have Smith and Nephew, a UK medical technology company with an interest in orthopaedics. So that reports in a few weeks um, and it'll be also interesting to hear about how the continued turnaround of the group is going. And finally, we will also hear from Animal Health Company Zoetis uh, next week, uh, where we look forward to hearing about you know vet trends and, and how the launch of the company's osteoarthritis pain product for dogs um, called Labrella is performing. So yeah, I think uh, we'll hopefully hear some some plenty uh, interesting updates uh, still to come.
1: Thanks, Sheena. Uh And don't worry, of course, it will be Q1 as well before you know it. So uh, uh, the, the fun never ends. Um, that kind of brings us to the end of uh, the prepared questions. So, thank you both for those insights. Uh, and of course, to all of the listeners out there uh, for tuning in, I do hope you've enjoyed today's discussion. We genuinely love to hear from our listeners. So, please do review the show now, uh, wherever and however you're listening. Um, and do please also share it on whichever social networks you prefer to use um, and tag us at Quilt Achieve It. Um, and of course, don't forget to tap the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss uh, any future episodes. We will of course be back next week, but in the meantime, you can head over to our website, which is www.quiltachieveit.com. And that's where you can read the accompanying market overview, as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. Finally, you can stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights, and our upcoming events and webinars on our websites, and of course, those social media pages. And if you do have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts on our next podcast, simply ask them via the weekly comments page on our website well that's it for today so thank you as always to richard and sheena for your time uh, and thank you again for everyone who's listening see you next time